pray that through the power of your word, you would speak to our hearts, that your spirit would be active around us, that God, we know you are here, we know that you are working, we know that you surround us, that you are with us no matter what. And so God, we pray that you speak to us through your word today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12, and we're going to we're going to start there. Today we're starting a new sermon series called Vital Signs. March 29th, 1997, a day that really... Started like any other day. <laughs> March 29th, 1997, um, I was hooked up to a heart rate or heartbeat cuff, whatever you want to call it. What do they call those things? Heart... You know what I'm talking about. Check your blood pressure. There we go. Blood pressure cuff. I was also hooked up to morphine drip as well as a number of mechanical or whatever you want to call them, sticker pad things with leads that ran to them to be monitored because on March 29th, 1997, I got into a skiing accident and got a flight for life helicopter out of Stevens Pass, Washington um, into Harborview Medical Center in downtown Seattle where I went underwent four and a half hours of emergency life-saving surgery because I was internally hemorrhaging because I had ripped my spleen completely in half. Now, for those of you who have been to the doctor at any point in time, you would understand what it means to have your vital signs taken, right? Blood pressure, heart rate, what else? Oh, nobody knows. So everybody's, what's that? Your pulse, yes. Your pulse and everything else. So if you've been to the doctor, you've been hooked up, you would know that vital signs are clinical measurements, specifically pulse rate, temperature, respiration rate, blood pressure, that indicate the state of a patient's essential body functions. And what I found out over my brief time in that, or five-day stay in the hospital was that the doctor came to me and basically said that your body... Your heart rate had slowed down so much and your blood pressure had slowed down that your body had created an internal tourniquet so that you wouldn't die. And I went, man, that's awesome. God created me in a great way. And he kind of looked at me like, what? But I want you to think about this in the vital signs aspect because what we're going to do over the next couple weeks, a couple really probably close to two months, is to look at what it means to have of vital signs or to look at the vital signs of a church, what it means to be a healthy church. There are certain things that should go on within church, within our church, that would diagnose us or show us whether we're healthy or not. And I want you to ask yourself this question because the reality is that we're only as healthy as we are personally. We are only as healthy corporately as we are personally. That means if we are healthy Christians, we are healthy believers, we are part of the church, and we come in and we celebrate corporately, then the church health is greater than if we are unhealthy outside what we'll call the four walls of the church building, all right? Because the vital signs are critical clinical measurements that show us the essential bodily functions. In other words, is our heart good? Is the heartbeat of the church good? Is the pulse of the church good? Is the blood pressure, the heart rate, everything that we go into, does the temperature, if you go into Revelation where, where Jesus says, look, you are neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm, so I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. There are things that take place within the church that we can show we're either hot or cold. 
And the reality is, maybe you're walking on a lukewarm faith. In Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12, and there's a reason we're going to focus on this, it says this, for the word of God is living and what? What does that mean? What does the word active mean? Active means it is something that is an action place, right? It is taking part in our lives. It is something that is involved in our lives. It is something that is investing in our lives. It's something that's changing it. So the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I hope you understand what it's just saying. It's living, it's active. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. So when we get to the heart of the matter, when we see the vital signs, what I want you to understand or what I want you to, under, to see today is that we need to grow to know God. And in order to know God, we have to know His Word. Why? Because His Word is what judges our thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Anybody ever struggle with bad attitudes? Anybody? Yeah, right, right? Never, never. I never have problems, Right? I mean, it, it is what it is, but the, but the reality is what it is, is is we're digging into God's Word, then we're going to understand and see that it's going to judge our thoughts. You've, you've heard the old adage, don't judge me. When you read God's Word, God's Word is going to judge you. It's going to call you out. It's going to correct you where you need to be corrected. It's going to rebuke you where you need to be rebuked. There's all kinds of things that play out in this. And so what we begin to understand is it judges our thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And then in verse 13, it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. See, isn't it amazing that as a church, as individuals, we love at times to play church. We love to come into church and act like nothing's wrong. We love to come into church and act like we've got everything together when in reality maybe you woke up and you had a lot of conflict with your husband or your wife. Maybe the kids were at your last nerves, if that's any typical Sunday like it is usually in our Sunday morning house. It, it seems like we get in the car to head to church and the, the kids lose all sense of normalcy. And then dad loses all sense of control because they can't even get along on a six-minute car ride from our house to the church. So I know, listen, I know how you can come in on Sunday mornings. I know how the week can overwhelm you and burden you because of what has gone on. Maybe you had a bad week at work. Maybe you had a bad week in the marriage or in your home or things like that. But I want to dig in to our new series to look at the vital signs our church is displaying and ask this question, are we a healthy church? Because as a pastor, what I have to do is literally as a doctor, in the reality, Jesus being the great physician, Jesus evaluates and looks at us and says, are you healthy or not? If you were to go in for a physical and you're overweight, you're not active, you're not taking in the vitamins and the nutrients and the nourishment you need, the doctor's going to give you what? A bad report. And he's going to say, you got to get physically involved. You have to exercise. You have to put into practice what your body needs. You need to run or you need to walk. You need to be physically active. You can't just sit down and do nothing. He may say, you need to healthily eat. You need to eat healthier. You need to take in less fat, less cholesterol. 
You need to take in more vegetables, more fruit. Anybody ever been told that? You need to eat better. It might be your wife teaching, you know, like, hey, see, you need to eat better, okay? But there are things that take place in our daily life or our physical life that really portray or carry over into the spiritual life. Jesus being our great physician, Jesus being the doctor who fixes or heals the sick, we have to begin to look at the process and answer, are we a healthy church? Is what we're doing healthy or is it something that we're just walking through? See, the reality is this, and with my position, I get to see this on a consistent basis. Not every church is in good health. Some are gravely ill. Some are very healthy. Some are downright toxic. The reality is there are churches I wouldn't want to darken the doors of because I know the toxicity that sits inside. And anybody in their right mind would say, there's no way I want to be contaminated by that. See, all are certainly in a process. Every church is in a process, but towards what? What are we working towards? What are we wanting to accomplish? How can a sick church heal without first knowing in what direction health lies? And what to do and how we do it. So what, after all, is a healthy church? And here's what I want to give you. I think that we have to understand the urgency of the need for the local church in the Christian's life. A healthy church is a church that is obedient to God's word, is a church that is actively involved in sharing the gospel. I hope you hear me that out because the church is the people of God, not the pastor. And so a healthy church is actively involved in what? Sharing the good news of the gospel. An active church is always actively using their gifts, talents, and abilities to serve one another as well as the community. An active or a growing church or a healthy church is a church that is very generous in their time, in their talents, in their treasure. And so this is in reality for you to do a vital signs check. Maybe you've done the old pulse, right? How many heartbeats do I have per minute? Am I still alive? Some of you may be sitting there going, I don't know if I'm even alive. You might be dead. But the reality is over the next couple of weeks, we want to dig in to find the vital signs and ask yourself, this is not to point finger at anybody else. Number one, am I healthy? Am I a healthy Christian? Am I a person who is Look, and you could have good intentions. Do you realize how many people will waste hundreds of dollars by signing up in the next couple of weeks because all the health clubs are going to run their specials? And everybody's going to be like, woohoo, I'm going to do it. My New Year's resolution, I'm going to be a healthy person. And two weeks into it, guess what happens? Those who were already working out are working out. And maybe a very small few have stuck, but a majority have hit the high road. They're out. And so I want to ask you this question again today. Are we a healthy church? And so as we dig in today, we're going to look at growing to know God. Here's the statement I want you to remember if you remember anything else. A healthy church encourages believers to grow in their walk with God and with one another. 
A healthy church encourages believers to grow in their walk with God and with one another. Now, let me clarify that real quick, because the reality is, it is your responsibility to start growing in your relationship by reading God's Word. So rule number one, or, 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 or desire number one as a pastor, is that you are actively pursuing a relationship with God on a daily basis. That's why I try and give you everything under the sun. Look, you can, I didn't bring my phone up, you can download the Read Scripture app, If the Read Scripture app isn't for you, don't use it. If you version is for you, use that. If it's the Blue Letter Bible, use that. If it's your Bible at home and you've got a plan set up so that you're reading it, use that. But you need to begin to take in more and more of God's Word so that you can understand what it is He has for you. And listen to me. A lot of people say, well, God's Word doesn't necessarily answer all the questions I have. I would say 90% of the stuff you're going to have questions about in some way, shape, or form will be answered. I can guarantee it. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to treat people? How do I act in a situation or setting? Why should I believe a certain way? Why should I have certain moral standards? Why are certain things wrong and other things right? Why is this something that is preached in culture wrong according to the Bible? Do you see what I'm saying? There's a moral idea here that when I take in God's Word, my moral compass increases and my understanding of truth also increases so I can determine what is false or a lie versus what is truth. So, a healthy church encourages believers to grow in their walk with God and with one another. Here's what I want you to write down, and and I want to encourage you with this. We're going to focus on kind of spiritual disciplines and stuff. If you don't have a journal in some way, shape, or form, and listen, I understand a lot of people are like, well, I don't journal. Listen, I don't journal. But I would challenge you to start carrying a notebook, whether it's a simple spiral notebook you get at Walmart that's 99 cents, and you start taking notes. Take notes of sermons. Take notes when you're reading Scripture. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you just a very simple thing here in just a little bit on how you should read Scripture, how you can read Scripture. I don't want to make it, you don't have to do it, but it's something that will point you in the right direction in that. So here's the big question from today. If a healthy church encourages believers to grow in their walk with God and with one another, then the question is this, how can I grow with God and others? Pretty tough, right? How do I grow in my relationship with God and with others? Number one is this, we have to be devoted to God's Word. God's Word is what drives everything we do. A matter of fact, if you were a person who says, I don't agree with you, Brian, on something, then I would say, okay, show me why. And if I'm out of line from a scriptural standpoint, I'll correct my viewpoint and my belief. Because I want everything that I believe and everything I do to be based upon what God's Word says. All right? So there are There are ideas, there are thoughts, there are some gray areas sometimes that we look at, but I want to be driven by what God's Word says. And so I have to be devoted to God's Word. Now, when we devote ourselves to God's Word, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, we are to grow up in every way. What's this idea? We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, that is Christ. In other words, we are to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. 
See, here's the reality, and here's what I hope you understand is that the viewpoint or the desire I have for you on a daily basis is that you grow to love God's word. Don't listen to what I say and then neglect this. Because if you do that, it's not any good. Because the reality is I can only take you so far. You listen to what I say and you evaluate what I say based upon this. You listen to what another preacher says or what another teacher says. You listen to what the news says and you evaluate it based upon what? This. God's word is something that we should be devoted to in order to make the right decisions so that I take the right stance in every moral aspect of my life. There are things that we can understand, that we can grow to know, that we can see, and what we want and desire for you is that you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me throw this out there, okay? Because this is another thing I think is important, and we're going to kind of jump into it. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have signups for life groups. That's an option for you to get connected to. But one of the things that I oftentimes see that, that worries me and bothers me is the lack of commitment to growing in some form of discipleship with other believers. What I mean by that is this. I'm not in a Sunday school or Bible study class, and I'm not in a life group. And while that may seem like I'm adding something else, the Bible is very clear in this, that you can't grow apart from growing with the body of the church. As a matter of fact, let's use it this as- this, this, in this aspect tongue-tied, all right? Let's use it in this aspect. If my body functions in a certain way and I decide all of a sudden or my right arm just starts working, stops working, what happens? Well, number one, I'm going to be messed up because I write right-handed. I brush my teeth with my right hand. I do everything with my right hand, right? And the reality is also this, according to Scripture, that an individual who's a believer, a Christian within the body, has a role to play. You are a part of the body. And when that part is not actively involved in the body of the church, who suffers? The body. The body suffers. So, we need to be devoted to God's Word. See, through connecting regularly with each other, through connecting regularly with God's Word, we can grow in a relationship with Him so we understand what He is. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, what do we want to understand? We want to understand to grow in His grace and in the knowledge of who Jesus is. So part of this, the app we gave you, if you notice, the whole idea is to point us to Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament, if you don't realize this, the Old Testament is literally pointing, number one, to how bad people are, and number two, pointing to the future coming of Christ. That's, that's a, a thread that's woven through Scripture. A lot of people think, well, the Old Testament really doesn't mention much about Jesus. That's wrong. The whole Old Testament is to show you and point you directly to Jesus Christ. It is revealing who he is and why we need Jesus on a daily basis. So I grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the more you read the Bible, the more the Bible infiltrates your heart and it shines its light into the darkest crevices, into the darkest recesses of our heart. Remember what we said about our attitude 
in our thoughts. See, your attitude and your thoughts, I guarantee you, will begin to change when you start to take in more of God's word. Your attitude towards people and the thoughts you think, I guarantee it will change when you take in God's word. It can't not change. They will change drastically. How you think, how you respond, how you love, and how you treat others will change drastically. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 4 says it. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Psalm 119 verse 89 says this, Your word, O Lord, is eternal, and it stands firm in the heavens. If I stand firm, I stand unmovable, unshakable, undeniable. And that's exactly what God's word is, unmovable, unshakable, and undeniable. Your word, O Lord, is eternal, it stands firm. In Psalm 119, verse 111, it says this, Your statutes are my heritage forever, and they are the joy of my heart. Doing what God wants us to do is a result of us being devoted to God's word. Knowing his statutes, knowing his commands, knowing his desires. So we want you to grow, to understand, to know, to retain, and to love and commit your life to the God of the Bible. And so here's what I want to do. If you have a piece of paper, if not, grab, grab something in front of you, write this down. I'm going to give you a simple acrostic. Maybe some of you have done this in the past. Darren, I know, has. He's taught some of the men to do this. But I want you to answer this. When you are reading Scripture, there are four things I want you to do. Number one is to read the Scripture. It's called soap. We're going to soap the Scripture. Soap is Number one, S, Scripture. You read your Bible, whatever the Bible reading is for the day. Now, some people will say, write down what you're reading. Now, that's going to be hard if you're reading two chapters. You're not going to want to write down the whole section of whatever you read. Here's what I would encourage you to do. When you read the Scripture, you're going to read the Bible for the day, taking time to read it and allow God to speak to you. Matter of fact, I would even say this before you read, you pray, God, may your Spirit speak to me through the power of your Word. Just simple prayer like that and then start, all right? Now, during that time, you can look for a verse that spoke to you. Now write that Scripture down. Whatever that is, write it down. Because there's something that takes place when you write something down versus when you just read it. If I write it down, I'm kind of processing through it. So I write the Scripture down. I've read through the Scripture. I write whatever that is down. So if you're reading the Read Scripture app, you've read three chapters. You get through those three chapters, and there was a verse that stuck out. You underline it or whatever. Now you sit down. You write it out. All right? So I, number one is I read the Scripture. Number two is this. I make observations. What did I see in the verses that I was reading? What is God saying in these verses? Who is the audience he's talking to? And then ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and reveal Jesus to you through that scripture. So I'm making the observation. All right, observation, and I'll I'll use this example. For the word of God is living and active. Here's the observation. What is living? It's not dead, right? It means it's alive. It means it has heart, has desire, it has passion, it has conviction. It is living and it is active. What is active? 
It means it's actively involved. It is a process that's going on right on, day in and day out. So there's an observation, all right? So you're going to ask these things. Number three is this, or the letter number A, or letter number, sorry, little Tommy boy there. Um, Letter A is application. So I got scripture, I got observation. Letter A is application. What does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? What is God's word teaching me? What is God trying to say to me today? How can I apply what I just read to my own personal life? There's your application, okay? Begin to be devoted to that. Is there an action I need to take? Is there a sin I need to confess? Is there something I have to repent of as a result of what God's showing me? Do you see the application aspect? So I read the Scripture, I observe what's going on in the Scripture, now I try and apply the Scripture to my life, and then number four is this, I simply pray about it. I pray over the Scripture. God, may I do this, may I be renewed in this way. If He's revealed something to you during this time, then you pray about it. Confess if He has revealed some sin in your life. So I simply read the Scripture, I observe what's going on, I apply it, and I pray about it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Maybe not. I think it's very simple. So maybe you've got your own plan and maybe you don't need this, but if you don't have a plan and you don't have any way of reading and getting into God's Word, I want you to simply do that, to soap it out. And number two is this, how can I grow with God and with others? Number two, to grow in a gospel-multiplying community. Let me tell you something, and this is something I, I'm very passionate about. It's something that I think we as a church need to consistently be praying about and keeping at the front, is that this. If we are not multiplying, we're dying. If you're not multiplying, you're dying. A church should be multiplying itself out. Jesus, when he said, he said, go and make disciples. It's the idea that when we are called to be believers, when He has saved us and He's invested in us, then we go and make disciples, and likewise, we go and plant or replant churches. Now, you may say, well, how do I do this? How do I begin to start? Listen to me, and I want you to understand this, and this is our goal even with our life groups and everything else, even our Sunday school classes is that our Sunday school classes and life groups would multiply. And so some of you maybe here today are going to be eventually asked to be a life group leader. Matter of fact, some of the life group leaders, as we begin to work with them and coach them and, and walk through this process, they're going to be taught. They need to have an apprentice. And the idea is that apprentice is going to learn from that life group leader on how to lead a life group so that that life group leader can now lead another, or the, the apprentice can now begin a life group. We want to multiply out so that we can reach people with the gospel. And I want you to think about that because every life group then should be focused externally. It's okay to focus internally. It's okay to to look within and develop strong relationships as believers, but you can never be settled and not invite others in. A life group, a Bible study, a Sunday school, um, even our church on Sunday morning should always be thinking about how we can multiply ourselves. Think about this. If you had $6 and you had a choice to have $36 or $12, what would you take? (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's, no strings attached. You have $6. A person comes and says, look, you got $36, you got 12 What do you think? Why? It's more, right? Let me ask you this question. If a church adds six people, it's good, right? But if a church reaches 36 people, it's what? It's better, it's more. See, the role of discipleship is multiplication, not addition. Now listen, there's a small percentage. Matter of fact, they say on average less than 4% of all churches ever become multiplying churches. But what I'm telling you now and what I've said from the get-go is that we're going to be a multiplying church. We planted a church within nine months of us getting here. It doesn't matter the size of your flock. What matters is your sending capacity. Are you willing to send people out? And see, that's the reality. We need to grow in a gospel-multiplying community so that we can be a multiplying church. We don't want to stay us four no more, the holy huddle of saints, the hospital ship that never rescues anybody. We want to be on the cutting edge. We want to be on the front edge, reaching people who are dying and lost and leading them into a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So we want to be a gospel-multiplying church. So we're asking you to commit to a gospel-multiplying community. And I will even say this. If you are a Sunday school teacher, you need to identify somebody who is going to be that apprentice who could lead out in the next Sunday school class. If you're not involved in a life group and you're not involved in a Bible study, especially if you're a member of the church, I'm just going to say this. You need to be involved. There are six commitments that we ask all of our new members commit to. Number one is to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and to grow in a gospel-multiplying community. It's not unbiblical. Matter of fact, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And I know that times can be crazy. I'm not asking you to be at every single one. We're asking you to commit. And, and listen, my heart is this that you grow to love God more, and that we see this church do amazing things in this community. Not for me, not for you, not to say, hey, look, our church is big and we've got all kinds of people, but the simple fact is, the reality, according to Scripture, is if people do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, where are they going? They're going to hell. And you may say, well, that's unloving, that's unkind, that's unnecessary, that's uncalled for, that's intolerant. But according to God's word, it's true. And the simple fact is this. If we sit back and we say nothing and we do nothing, that's no different than sitting back and watching somebody get killed and saying, oh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't need to worry about it. It's not my business. Growing in a gospel-multiplying community is one of the greatest ways to get connected. Matter of fact, let me throw out some scriptures here. 
Uh, In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47, there is a numerical record of those who have professed Christ, have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and acknowledgement that the church was tracking growth. So we understand what it means to be connected to the church because God's plan is that we would belong to the church for our own protection and our own uh, maturation, for, for maturing, and for the good of others so that we would grow. We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see in Acts chapter 6, in verse 1 through 6, that there were elections that took place in order to address specific problems and accusations of those who were a part of the church, who were members of the church. And so when we say we want you to grow in a gospel-multiplying community because you're a member, we're asking you to commit to what God has called you to commit to. See, the goal is to build a community within other believers or with other believers to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and to grow in accountability. So in a life group, fellowship is great. That's awesome. We want that. We need that. We need those relationships. We need those connections, but we also got to focus on God's Word so we can hold each other accountable, so that we can lift each other up, so that we can help each other out. So that when the going gets tough, we have somebody to fall back on and rely upon. See, the church, in reality, is your second family. Maybe it's your first family or your only family. There may be some dysfunction. There may be some disagreement. But we're united in Christ. We're united around the gospel. And we're united around obedience to God's word. I hope you understand that. We're united in Christ. Christ, we're united around the gospel, and we're united in obedience to God's word. So I want to challenge you to grow in a gospel-multiplying community. Matter of fact, over the next couple weeks, we're going to have sign-ups for our next season of life groups. I want to encourage you to commit to that. If you can't make a life group and Sunday mornings work best, man, come to Bible study on Sunday mornings. We want our Bible studies not to just be lecture-based, but they are relationship-built. We want you to grow, to know God's word. We want you to do that, but we also want you to be connected. See, being united to Christ means being united to every Christian. Every Christian. We are connected as brothers and sisters in Christ. But that universal union, that connection of being connected to every Christian also means that we're a part of a local Bible-believing church. I take this, and there's a number of books I would recommend to you to read. If you're a reader, um, you can come and see me afterwards. But healthy churches often grow in size because they present an attractive witness to the gospel. Sometimes God has other purposes, such as calling people to patience. But I want you to understand this. A dying church, an unhealthy church, is not a growing church. Healthy churches grow. Healthy churches multiply. Healthy churches impact culture. That's the reality. And a healthy church does not come about with a great vision, a good mission, loving people who are disobedient to God's word. A healthy church comes when we're obedient to God's word first and foremost. And we love and we're united around Christ. We're united around the gospel. And that's how we multiply out. See, the reality is we can do the pulse check every day, couldn't we? Check your heart rate. Check your blood pressure. And I just want to ask you that. Where 
are you at? When it comes to health, when it comes to a biblical understanding of being a healthy believer, where are you at? See, a healthy Christian and a healthy church will display a hunger for God's Word, a desire to grow in our own personal lives that leads to growth in the corporate body. And I'm not talking just numeric growth. I'm talking about growth in the corporate body. Growth together as a church. So as I'm growing in my personal life, it leads to growth in the corporate body. Why? Because I can only give to others what I'm already getting for myself. So I need to grow in a gospel-multiplying community. And I want to wrap up with this. If God was to check your personal vital signs, if He threw on that heart rate cuff, if He started to take your pulse, if He told you you need to get more active, to be more physically involved, would you do it? Because the reality is a lot of times we go in the doctor and we hear the doctor say what we're supposed to do and what do we do? Ah, he doesn't understand how busy I am. Oh, he wants me to change my eating habits? Watch me sit down and watch TV and eat my potato chips. Life change is a result of listening to the doctor tell me how healthy or unhealthy I am and making the needed changes necessary so that I can be healthy. It's up to you. A healthy church is devoted to God's word and to one another in relationship. And I just want to ask you that question. What can you do this year? And I would say you have to start with this, that you commit. Here's the application process. You commit to reading God's word. Don't give up. Okay, what I mean by that is this, just like the people who go and check into a health facility or a, a workout place and they pay the registration fee and they maybe even meet with the trainer the first time who sets up a workout with them and they start to work out and all of a sudden, guess what? Life happens. You get sick or you get busy and then it just stops. When you're reading God's word, listen to me, life's going to happen. You're going to get busy. Chaos is going to interrupt. All of a sudden, everything's going to break loose, and you're going to miss. It's okay. It's okay. You know what you got to do? Get right back up on the horse and ride again. You're going to get kicked. You're going to get beat down. You're going to get discouraged. Life is going to wear on you, and you can still stay right back on. Don't stop. You keep going. That's the goal for every believer is that we're committed. And I, here, I want you to hear me out. And I hope you, you understand that today. My desire for you this year, my desire for our church, and, and if we want to put it in one big word, I'm going to call commitment. What are you committed to? This year, I think as a church, we need to think about that. Commitment. Am I committed to God's word? Am I committed to the church? Am I willing to see this through? What can I do to carry it out? You remember the old adage with uh, John F. Kennedy? Ask not what you can do for your country, but what you're, or, right? 
Sorry. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That was terrible misquote. <laughs> All right. I want you to ask this question. Ask not what the church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. Because the church is the body. And when you're taking in God's word, devoted to God's word, and you're in that relational connection with other believers, that's when you're doing the most to connect with and do what you need to do for the church. Where are you at? How do you need to apply that this week? Let's pray. Well, Father, I know it is not easy as we wrap up a new year to oftentimes think about what we need to resolve or or commit to. Maybe there are some who are anti-resolutions. Maybe there are some who are into making New Year's resolutions. But God, I pray that this year that we would start with a commitment to read your word. God, knowing that we will get beat down. There will be attacks. There will be overwhelming times. There will be times we get busy, we get overwhelmed. But God, I pray that in the midst of that, that our hunger and our thirst for your word would not go away. God, in the midst of those times, that you would drive us to our knees, that we would understand our need because we are too busy not to pray. We are too busy not to read your word because we need that day in and day out. And God, in the midst of that, I pray that as we do a vital signs check, as we look deep within the heart of our church, God, that we can identify areas that are unhealthy, areas that we need to focus on, that we need to dig deep in. God, maybe it's a commitment level, maybe it's a gifts level and using our gifts in that, but God, I pray that our commitment to each other and our commitment to your word would increase this year. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.